superpowers on the Super Power Up Podcast, the show that lifts the voice of love from orgasms to superpowers and everything in between. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sex, Love, and Superpowers Podcast show. I am super excited for our guest today because she and I knew each other back in middle school, and uh, she moved far, far across the world to Lebanon. She's actually joining us today from Lebanon. Her name is Nadia Tabara, and it's just a, a really joyful reunion for me. Um, Nadia Tabara is a screenwriter, and she grew up in the United States. She moved back to Lebanon to lend her voice and writing expertise to make film and TV in Lebanon regionally successful and globally recognized. As a screenwriter, her scripts have competed in Hollywood, and her short films have screened at top-tier film festivals, including South by Southwest and the Milano International Film Festival. Her debut Lebanese short film won runner-up and best writing at the 48-hour film project in 2013. More recently, she's in develop, development of a comedy feature film and has completed 15 episode TV series as head writer and creator. And Nadia, is my understanding, you've also recently been published in a, um, an anthology of women authors, um, women Lebanese author, authors in particular, or tell me more about this anthology. Uh, the anthology is pub published by a publishing house called Turning Point Books, and it's called Arab Women Voice New Realities. Beautiful. And it's got women from um, from the Levant, from Lebanon for sure, but also from Jordan, Yemen. Uh, gosh, I'm not doing it justice. Egypt, um, Algeria, I believe. They're a Palestinian for sure, and it's just an amazing collection of female voices. And it is, it's called Voice New Realities because it's, uh, it's, it's, get, it's women not the way that you think you want to portray them. It's just who we are. Mm. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Especially so, Arab women are, are sometimes, you know, very yes. exotic. And, yeah. very and and we're we're going to talk about that because today today we're having a cross cultural conversation on gender and empowerment and I am really excited for this conversation. I'm so excited to have you on the show in particular, Nadia, for so many reasons. But it's just really fun to reconnect. And um, and I so I wanna I wanna dive into this conversation. Um, I think it's such an important one. We're gonna bust some myths today. Um, I'm all about that. Our stories that don't serve us, letting them fly out the window, both individually and culturally. Um, but before we dive into that, I'm going to ask you this question that you've had a little bit of time now to sit with. And don't worry, because it's not written in stone, but I want to hear right now from this place that you're at, what are your superpowers? Um, uh, well, I want to say thank you so much for having me, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, my superpowers. I, I guess. I guess I. Uh, my my big superpower is the ability to translate what I'm passionate about to other people, hmm. and then feed feed them with the idea that they can be successful. Because I believe that we are not successful individually; we're successful collectively. Amen. And then when you give, when you give, when you empower somebody. With, with whatever it might be, knowledge, even just something smaller, maybe some, something, a gift that is a little bit smaller per day, something like that. When you empower them, you, you have no idea the effect. And then pretty soon, if they continue with you, I'm, I'm a writing coach. So sometimes 
people don't continue and that's fine. I find them succeeding in their own ways. And if they do continue, I get to watch their journey and now we're all successful together. So I guess, I guess that would be my superpower. That's such an awesome superpower. Um, and I, so I really want to, you know, we were talking a little bit before um, jumping on the recording, but I, I want to maybe lay out some of what you've seen. You know, I think you have a really unique perspective because you lived in the United States for a long time. You know, a lot of your sort of formative years, if you will, um, growing up in the U.S. And then, and then although you were in a Lebanese family and then moving back to Lebanon, um, what do you see as some of like the biggest cultural myths how they're perpetuated and like, just like, let's just bust those right apart right now. Oh, um, well, I, I have to say first and foremost that this country and Lebanese people were not, were not perfect. There is so much that needs work in this country and so much that, so much hope that we have and then hope that we've lost in the, in our politicians and our voting system and everything. I mean, it's, it's not, uh, we're not perfect, but everything that I have seen, almost everything, I shouldn't, I, I shouldn't generalize, but almost everything that I've seen in Hollywood or in mainstream media is so skewed. It's just not who we are. And I'm not saying we are perfect, but it's not that. So um, uh, before we started recording, we were talking about that new movie that's about to hit screens in April and it's premiering in Sundance. It's called Beirut, and Beirut is the capital city of Lebanon. And um, it's premiering on April 13th, and that's the, the anniversary of the Civil War in Lebanon, which is a huge part of our history, and it's a very sensitive um, topic, and it has changed us forever, and it continues. We, we are reminded of it so frequently. It just seems very insensitive that that's when it's coming out, but right now all we have this is the trailer I wish we had, I'm, I'm writing something right now about it, about how I feel about it, but I wish we had something a little bit more profound on the subject of how, other, how Hollywood's narrative of us is not at all who we are. And the fact that their narrative is, of, is, is so wrong without any, even without any need to, to do any research, they don't even care to research because that's how they see Arabs and that's how they are okay with others seeing Arabs, that it just becomes so um, disingenuous and it becomes so disheartening that this is, this is out there. Yeah, and you know, let's, let's talk about that a little bit more because we had also mentioned this idea that a lot of us... Um, in the United States and sort of in the, in the Western world have about the Middle East being like this one clump and how Lebanon is its own country. Pakistan is its own country. Iran is its own country. And there's a, there's a culture that each carries that is different and distinct from one another. Um, definitely. The, the Middle East, I mean, Lebanon, Jordan, uh, Syria, uh, Egypt, uh, which is considered North Africa as well. Um, yeah, where each country is super different and each country has different cultural norms. And Lebanon is such a unique place. But growing up, I, I used to get a lot of questions that, that haven't changed, which is kind of odd because now the world is different. Now we have the internet so we can kind of see stuff. But I still, I still get questions 
from Americans saying, um, do you have desert? And I said, I will always say the only desert I've ever seen is in Las Vegas, is in Nevada. <laughs> and I'm like, I've never seen that. Le- Lebanon doesn't have any desert. We're tropical. We're on the Mediterranean. Mm-hmm. Um, other things is how, how come you're not veiled? And mm-hmm. being veiled is a Muslim tradition. And uh, Lebanon has um, Muslims and Christians, almost uh, 50-50. And within Christianity, there's 16 different sects. And within Islam, there's three different sects. So that there, it's so multi. And then on top of that, we have three different languages that most Lebanese speak fluently: um, Arabic, Lebanese Arabic, and then English and French. And French is taught in schools as as a teaching language. It's one of our official languages of the country. So you can you if you come to this country and speak English or French, you do not need any other language. Hmm. Um, within the, you can always get by within limitations. So those are a lot of misconceptions. And like I said, multicultural. So some, some women are veiled, some are not. Um, we're the Beirut, especially super cosmopolitan. All, every image I've ever seen of it doesn't look like that. It's very strange to me. It's like, yeah. And it's, um, and, and let's talk about, about the women, since this is a conversation on gender and empowerment. And, you know, I know that there's, there's a real storyline going over here about the disempowerment of women. You, you mentioned a film, I can't remember the name of it, too, that um, where all the women who, who were portrayed in this film were sort of scared and in the background. And that there's this real, like storyline that it's a totally male-dominated culture that the women have no power they have no say um what's what's the truth oh the one you're referring to is homeland it's a tv show i I forgot what network because it's not it's not part of our lives here although people have seen it and we can get it um homeland is the the star is claire danes and i don't know she works something I think, I, I, I mean, I wouldn't hold me to this, something about anti-terrorism. And there's an episode where she comes to Lebanon and she goes to the uh, to a district called Hamra, which means red. And this district has um, bars and restaurants. The The streets are lined with red brick. Um, it's, a, it's a beautiful area. I mean, we just, we hang out there. It's coffee shops. It's uh, really, it's like a fun, and it's nightlife. Uh, Beirut is is crazy for nightlife. We're like known for it. It's uh, it just as much as the Mediterranean, we're known for our nightlife. And in that scene in particular, Claire Danes is, is veiled, which is not necessary. Um, you don't get veils at the airport like some, uh, like some country. It's not necessary. Uh, you can choose. And she's, she's definitely veiled and all the women, and the road is dusty and there are men in tanks also wearing um, this traditional dress. And uh, there are no roads. It looks like dirt. And all the women, including her, she looks scared, uh, but she's a white woman and she looks Lebanese. Claire Danes looks like she could be Lebanese. Um, And then people around her, though, the women around her, darker skinned, veiled um, in black sometimes and are always running and scared. And it's just, I've never seen this image here in Lebanon, Mm -hmm. ever. Especially in Hamda, which is the district they were talking about in Beirut. So I find that really strange. As far as women being empowered, I think in Lebanon is the same as everywhere else, honestly. 
you still have to tell you, I'm still teaching the men that I love and telling them that like, yes, every woman I know has been through this kind of encounter or yes, on a daily basis, we face some kind of harassment, however much you want to put it on the spectrum. And a lot of them are really, really surprised. And it's the same here. It's just that we don't have right now the resources or the capabilities or we're just beginning to open that conversation. Mm. And since it is a sensitive conversation and it's happening now in the States as well with me too, with the backlash that's happening, mm-hmm. uh, we're, we're about 10 years behind. So imagine the backlash in, in, a, in a sensitive topic. There are some amazing women here that are doing amazing work, but they are in an environment that I believe is about 10 years behind the States. Mm. Europe, Europe also, Europe isn't, isn't as forward thinking as the States. And even in the United States, like I've been reading so much commentary on Me Too and on Time's Up. It, it's still, we need a lot of education. And I keep, yeah. I, I never like to be reactionary. I never like to be um, excluding anybody from the conversation because I find every conversation, there's an opportunity to teach or to learn. And to ask why, like, why is that person asking this particular question as in why didn't she leave the room or why didn't she just stop this from happening? Mm-hmm. And those are questions we need to ask and then get to the root of them so we understand, we understand the movement as a cultural change. Yes, and a and global that, cultural change. Right, but to even arrive at that conversation there needs to be the idea that this is a culture. Yeah. That rape culture exists, that mm. um, objectifying women, this is a, a culture and that, and that takes time and that takes a lot of, a, a lot of activism and a lot of work. And I, so I, I'm really excited to dive deeper into this conversation with you. We do have to take a quick break um, before we go to break. Can you tell everybody where they can find out more about you and about your work? Oh, sure. Yeah. So Fade In, um, I opened it when I moved here in um, 2011. Um, Actually, officially it opened in 2014. Um, We do writing workshops uh, here. We do uh, work on creative consciousness, uh, which means helping people find their own creativity, tapping into their own voices. Um, This has been amazing with all the female writers that I've been working with. So these themes are popping up for sure and always um so i love that our website is called fadeinbeirut.com and yeah you can check us out there and all of our work and what we do awesome so fadeinbeirut.com check it out uh we've been talking with nadia tabara about a cross-cultural conversation on gender and empowerment um more when we get back stay tuned are you here to change the world do you talk about things like vibration frequency awakening and consciousness are you pretty sure you have superpowers the superpower net is unlike normal coaching programs and conscious communities we provide training intuitive guidance peer-to-peer learning intense one-on-one coaching and a high vibrational network 
network of people just like you. When you join the net, you get 24-7 access to a collaborative group of people who support you as you master your personal power and unlock your superpowers. If you're ready to use your superpowers to change the world, then join the Superpower Net today. Visit superpowerexperts.com slash the net to learn more. All right, we are back so Nadia, I'd love to hear um, a little bit more about this anthology, this, these Arab women's voices, and why why this work is so important right now in in, in your mind and in in what you're holding over there in Lebanon. Um, I think it's important because honestly, it's called Arab women voice new realities. It's because we've it, it feels like not just men, but the other people, (laughs) other cultures have been assigning this way that they look at Arab women specifically. Either they're very exotic and belly dancing style with like uh, those shishas around them or whatever, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or they're very docile or they're oppressed. Um, So talking to my uh, hijabi friends, uh, one of the things that they cannot stand is when somebody asks them if uh, if they're okay or if they're oppressed. I mean, especially in Lebanon, it it does happen where um, where women are forced to wear the veil. I think it's very personal here. There's nothing that tells you that you have to in Lebanon. So to assume that a woman is forced to wear the hijab and it's not that she chose it mm-hmm. is a very difficult situation for them. It's, a, it's the first assumption that a lot of people have, Lebanese included. So um, a, new, a new reality of Arab women, you get a spectrum of women talking about things that, that are um, not, not normal, that, are, that happen in our society that we're trying to fight against. There's like a, there's a wonderful story that has to do with war. It's a it's a bombing. It's called Mayhem. It's fantastic, and Mayhem it drops you inside the the moments just after a bomb hits, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, we are in a region that has seen that. Um, it's it's real, I, but nobody ever thinks of the moments just after. What do you do? I mean try to find your kids mm-hmm. leave it's it's a it's a very poignant poignant story and then on the flip side there's a fantastic story from one of the fade-in writers her name is Yomna Buhadir and it talks about tinder and dating in Lebanon huh. um, which is a really fun story but it's got so many undertones of uh, body image of how uh, Lebanese men some are raised some are different, how women are raised to be a certain way. It, there's, a, there's an entire spectrum of different kinds of women speaking about things that are important to them. And some of the themes pop up are um, how important is it for a woman to be married? These are still things that are very relevant in modern society. Hmm. Still, people here can't don't don't have the tools and don't understand the conversation of what do you mean you don't want to get married what do you mean or god forbid what do you mean you don't want to have children it doesn't it still doesn't make sense to a lot of the society here so there's a lot of pressure on young women as well and that shows up in the anthology so yeah definitely i I had a lot of fun reading it 
Yeah, I'm very, very intrigued. I, I want to get a copy myself. Um, I would love to hear like what your experience has been. I mean, from coming from the United States over to Lebanon, it, what's your experience of the difference or is there a difference in sort of the dating culture, in how men and women relate to one another? Um, I'm not sure I'm a great authority on this I just thought, I don't I don't know but I just thought that honestly I have my own misconception and and I don't know where it came from I well probably it came from my family and they're because at the time they were the only Lebanese I knew and so in the house it felt like we were very conservative as far as um, uh, relationships go not as far as anything else I mean very open-minded we're, we're, we're American we love we love America we love living there you know it was just, it felt like we were pretty traditional when it came to relationships. So when I moved here, I thought that that's how it was. Is that say, more, say more about what pretty traditional when it comes to relationships means. Like, were you allowed to date? Were you not allowed to date? Oh, yeah. No, I definitely was. But meaning, um, you know, you don't, uh, you don't live together with someone if you're not married. Mm-hmm. Um, or... Or the whole idea of you you stay at your parents' house until you get married, and so then you don't sleep outside of the house ever. Mm-hmm. Or um, that kind of tradition. I thought it was very conservative here. That was my take on things. And it's, it is it is to some extent, but not like I thought. It's not like that at all. And especially in the last uh, few years, it's like, no, people are are doing what they do. It's very European. It's very... American, they they live together. It's and I wasn't, and especially when it comes to sex, I thought that also people were more conservative. And I think they are when it comes to talking about sex. People just don't, or it's very rare um, among women, especially. That's that's a fact. But people are having sex, and it's normalized, and it's normal. And that, that was something surprising to me, but I think it's because I didn't know anybody. I didn't have any friends. I didn't know the culture. Mm-hmm. You only knew what you grew up inside of. Right. And of course, you know, my family is, is traditional when it comes to those things, but it wasn't a good, uh, you know, representation of, the, of, of society and of how it is here. Do you think the fact that people don't really talk about sex and that women don't talk about sex with one another um, has an impact on their experience and what they're able to, uh, what am I trying to say? I think there's, I think like what we're seeing with me too, what we're seeing with me too, right? It's like the, the women speaking up are a lot. It's like, Oh, wait a minute. That wasn't normal. That wasn't okay. What happened to me? I had that experience too. And you're saying, and like, there's something about giving voice to it that is bringing an awareness to the forefront. And so would you say that that awareness maybe isn't quite, I mean, you mentioned something about being 10 years behind. Do you think that that's, that plays a role in there? Well, I don't think we have appropriate sex education or an ability to talk about sex in general. I mean, whatever it might be, like education on proper sexual health. And we, we do have um, a couple of NGOs, of uh, um, non-governmental organizations who are helping with that, but it's not mainstream. It's not like something that you do. And I think that is really dangerous. Mm-hmm. It's dangerous. And then it 
we, yeah, we're behind. We don't have the, the capacity to have those conversations. So when, on the contrary, since we don't have that and we don't, um, and this isn't a generalization because there are amazing women out there who can talk about Lebanese women who are um, voicing and, and, and reading up on Me Too and talking about it and making sure that we're sharing here in Lebanon. There's plenty of women doing that. So there, it's, it's beginning. Mm. But I, I do find that we don't have the proper education for that. And I also find that when I'm reading comments from, from people in the States, mm-hmm. we need more educate in, in sex ed, there should be a class called consent and what it means. Yeah. There should also be a class for women about how, you know, there was this great article about why are you uncomfortable with, with the, the story behind uh, Aziz Ansari. Mm-hmm. I was, and I was like, yeah, why am I uncomfortable? And why isn't it okay? Or why uh, my encounters, why didn't I leave? And that, and those are important questions. And it, feels like the reason I didn't is because I didn't know. And I had to learn myself instead of speaking up about it. So here is the same idea. Why don't we talk about those things? Or it, and it, it becomes much more normal to say, oh, yeah, but it happened to me. It's normal. It's fine. Mm-hmm. You get over it. Those are things that happen. That's how sex is supposed to be. Or that's how sexual encounters or anywhere in the spectrum is supposed to be until later until whatever until you learn from them well that's how the rape culture gets perpetuated exactly exactly i think yeah and i and i think what i mean what i'm really gleaning from this conversation and thank you so much um for that is that this and and you 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 named this earlier and you pointed this out the the rape culture it's a culture in and of itself and it's a global culture it's not it's not a, you can't pinpoint it to one society. It's a, it's a, it's a way of thinking and acting that is, is not, it doesn't live in one locale. It's a global systemic issue that we're dealing with here. Absolutely. I mean, even the laws are skewed. Even laws are skewed against women. I mean, why would you even speak up if, you, if, if the law isn't behind you? So say more about that. What's, what's your experience of that in Lebanon? Oh, I don't have any particular experience myself. Okay. Um, but, uh, um, and I, I'm not the authority on the Lebanese law, mm-hmm. but I know that it is outdated when it comes to rape. And we're, we're fighting for, um, not we, I mean, people are fighting and some amazing organizations are fighting to help make it easier to report rape, to understand that, um, even someone like your husband could rape you, you could file and report that. That also still, we're very behind on that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. So this is uh, it's big stuff, you know, it's, there's a, there's a lot here to, to work with. And I, I know, you know, you're coming on here as, as an individual and a writer and a, a beautiful person. Um, who I have a lot of love for and a lot of fond, you know, 11-year-old memories of. <laughs> but, um, we were so cute. I, we were. We were. And you made me laugh so much. I remember your laugh very, very heartily. Um, but I would love to hear, I mean, you mentioned education. Um, what do you think is required 
for some of these steps forward to really happen, both in Lebanon and just in this, in this rape culture in general? Oh, gosh, I don't know. I always think education is the answer to all, all problems. Mm-hmm. And um, in Lebanon in particular, so when, when you have a small country like Lebanon who has a lot of different divisions, uh, religious and political and even area divisions, so, you know, um, ancestrally we're, we're tribal. I think it's still part of our, our culture. Each mm-hmm. area has kind of their own, you know, way of thinking so we, we are divided in many ways and then there's also an economic gap in lebanon between the rich and the poor and the middle class is this is how you know an economy isn't doing well the middle class is disappearing mm-hmm. and, and that's tough and that, so the economy is not great so we have a huge gap so i think the first step would be to kind of close that gap in in activities or um uh, activations that put people together we don't have a lot of public spaces for all kinds of people to get together. As a, as a, more so, we're more bubbled. Mm-hmm. So this bubble of you know middle class, uh, uh, richer uh, people congregate here and do these things, as opposed to some of the poorer communities, which we don't even have the ability to be part of, to, to talk to, to hear, to listen to be educated together. So I think that would be the first step is to close that gap and then start talking about it on all levels as opposed to, which I think is some of the mistakes that sometimes um, new movements make. It's that they forget about the, about privilege mm-hmm. and how we are in a position of privilege and we've, we're not lending a voice to those who are not as privileged. Mm-hmm. And then once we, we do, then we will open up the country and we, we can unite that way on anything. And so then when it comes to something like um, the Me Too movement or empowering women, it, ha- it cannot be just empowering the women who, like you and I, who, who have the ability to podcast, who right. can reach out to each other. It's got to be right. everybody, all women. Yes. And that's been a conversation also in the States. Yeah. When you see that some um, some activist women are also politically inclined in a certain way that oppresses other women who may who are Arab or who are of a different race or nationality or culture, and that does not make any sense to me. How can you be How can you be okay defending some women only? Yes. So that's what I, I mean. If I, that's what I mean by education. It's it's yeah. got to be open for everybody. And the first step, at least for Lebanon, is to bring together people. I mean, I think that's the first step everywhere because everything that you said, and I'm sure you know, the picture looks a little bit different over there. Maybe it doesn't. I've never been over there, so I can't say. But. I mean, everything you spoke to about these bubbles and the, the middle class disappearing and the, the gap between the rich and the poor, I mean, that exists here. Yeah, I can, I can see definite similarities. And, it's and just that the United States is so much bigger. I mean, uh-huh. for us, we're, mm. so, we're so tiny. I mean, I don't even know the statistics, but I think we're smaller than Delaware as a whole country yeah. mm-hmm. with so many divisions. We're so tiny. So uh, on a mass scale, it feels like, it feels like there's a lot of similarities between 
what we need to work on. Mm -hmm. It's just that there's just the United States is so much bigger and it's so culturally mainstream. There's like, there's so there, there's so much power in the States, meaning they, everything comes from the States, media, right. uh, uh, um, and we, we struggle here in Lebanon to make our voices heard. So like get our movies out there, get our stories out there, get these mm-hmm. kinds of books published, try to get them over to the States just so that our lens, I mean, regardless, everybody has a different lens and a different way of looking at life, but at least we're telling it as Lebanese from here not someone else coming in and telling our story without even paying it any respect. So having a lens on it that is, is a imperial, or I don't know what you call it, like a, like a savior kind of lens or a mm-hmm. different kind of lens that doesn't, or sometimes male that doesn't uh, represent us. Yeah. So, yeah. So important. And I really, I have so much respect for you for, for moving back there with that intention. And with that, with that purpose and that drive to, to bring that voice forward. Thank you. It doesn't happen overnight, but I'm hoping, you know, be able to, we'll be able to make movies that then will be seen where you can see Lebanon. You can see what it's really like here through our films, through our art, through our stories, through our music, awesome music scene. (laughs) (laughs) I hope I get to come visit it someday. Oh, yes, you're welcome. That would be awesome. Yeah. You have a place to stay. You have a home. Thank you. Thank you so much. Nadia, I've enjoyed this conversation more than you know. Um, It's, it's, I'm, I'm, there's a lot for me to digest here and to just sit with and to, to fold into my being and my understanding of, of what we're doing here on this little planet called Earth and, and, you know, collectively. Because I get these insights sometimes. You know, I live in a little cabin in the in the forest right now, and um, and I and I do get information, and I, I do get glimpses of what's happening. But to to hear it affirmed in this conversation is is just a really it's a poignant moment for me. So I want to thank you for for that gift that you've given me in in this, um, and to all of our listeners out there. Um, thank you so much for listening in. This has been a very powerful conversation, a really important conversation. Please share this one widely. Um, I've, I'm, I'm all about, like I said at the beginning, I'm all about busting these myths and these stories that we're carrying. Um, and I think this conversation has done a lot of that. So thank you again, Nadia. And, um, and to our listeners, Until next time, go out and love yourself so that you can love the world more deeply. Many, many blessings. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today.